Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I've been talking to Keith a lot over the last few weeks because we've got this Q&A tour happening. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm privy to to everything that's going on in that camp. But was it today that it was actually shared publicly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the day like two hours back? ago. All right, shit. Two hours ago. Well, here we are over Zoom. This will have to do. It'll, it'll, All it'll right. Be fine. I'm trying to think it'll the last time when we saw each other. And I the think cruise. It, was cruise. The, it was the cruise, wasn't it? 2019, November. Right before the shit hit the fan. And um, yeah. it kind of got me thinking, like, over the last five, six years, you and I, well, me and all of you guys in the Bronx, have gotten to do so many cool things together. Yeah, um, yeah. Whether that's like Fireball Tours or Slam Dunk Festivals or Reading Festivals or obviously that cruise. I feel yeah, like... You see you often. It's been beautiful. And so many of yeah. my favorite memories are like, tied directly to you guys and i think the first time we met correct me if this is wrong or not but i'm pretty sure the first time we met you were it, it was mariachi el bronx and you were on tour with goggle bordello and yeah. and both the mariachis and goggle came to that bunker radio station where i was working you did yeah. like a live session but in the same day it was richie ramon was in london yeah. as well and yeah. so it all kind of like 
cross-pollinated so that you guys played the roundhouse in Camden. Yeah. And then after that, you came over to the Barfly. And didn't yeah. you get up on stage and play a Ramon song with Richard? Did I did. That? Yeah. I played Commando. Fuck yeah. So that was yeah. the first day we met. And I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me just get this on gallery mode. Um, yeah, man. And I've been listening to mm. some dragons in the lead up to this chat. Oh, nice. And now your fascination with Johnny Thunders makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> and I, I got a good, I got a good story about Johnny Thunder. So go on. Once we get going. Well, this is it, dude. We're in it. Oh, all right. Well, uh, so what? I grew up in Japan and then came over to the states in like '87, and I was like, you know, uh, junior in high school, eleventh grade. Then '89, um, January '89. I uh, I saw an ad in the paper. It said guitarist wanted Johnny Thunders, Hanoi Rocks, New York Dolls. So I go to this guy's house, and it ha it's the Dragons singer Mario Escobedo. But we had a band before that called M80. So the first song I tried out was um, uh, Pipeline and Born to Lose by Johnny Thunders. Well, you know, Born to Lose by Johnny Thunders, and then. Um, Nine months later, we're opening up for Johnny Thunders. Nine months. Nine months. Yep. I was like, I was still, I was a senior in high school when I was in that, uh, in that band. Dude, that's incredible. That's incredible. How did it happen so fast? Was the dude connected, or was the band uh, just super tight? No, no, it was, it was just no. It was. I mean, it was kind of all our first bands. They were older though. They were like Mario was twenty five already, twenty five, twenty six. And everyone else was like around the same age, and I was 18. And it was kind of their first bands. And uh, we played with like be between then, we played like with Gun Club, we played with like early Goo Goo Dolls, we played with like uh, a lot of Seattle bands because that, that was like this was like 89. So it's like kind of brewing, you know, the gr whole grunge thing. So we played with like Skin Yard, Calamity Jane, just a bunch of, you know, bands like that. And then whenever a band came through, you know, we'd be like, hey, can we open up? And they were like, all right, you know. So we, we opened up for Johnny Thunders. And then like a month or two later, we opened up for uh, Michael Monroe also. Wow. And, and at so, that point in your life, are those guys like your heroes? Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Because, you know, so right before I came to the States, I was like, you know, really getting into music and, you know, starting to play guitar. And Hanoi Rocks was one of my big bands because um, they used to do a lot of covers, you know, live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they would do like MC5, The Damned. Uh, they would do, you know, The Who and all that. So I went back and like listened to all that, you know. And they were, they were always compared to New York Dolls. They were like, you know, the 80s New York Dolls. So then that took me back to New York Dolls and, you know, Johnny Thunders. And that's where it all started pretty much. So before we carry on down the rock and roll road, because what I love about doing yeah. these these chats with people that I already know is I get to know people that I know better. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you grew up in Japan. Were you born in Japan? Yeah, born and raised till I was almost 17. So give me, give me an insight into that upbringing then, because I don't think I've had anyone on the show that 
has that kind of an experience. I think nearly every single guest I've had on is is like either American, European, or, or British. Um, so, when what year were you born? So seventy. Seventy. So you basically so, had like you had the eighties in yeah, Japan. 80s, yeah, seventies and eighties. Well, I mean seventies. I was too young, but you know, uh, our family like everyone liked music. So you know, we. Um, there was always music around the house. And in Japan, there's a lot of uh, TV shows, music TV shows, like it's like kind of like top of the pops type stuff, you know? Uh-huh. So when I was young, I was already into, you know, Japanese idols and Japanese anime songs. So, you know, now a lot of, you know, Japanese and Asian stuff is really popular in the States and UK and Europe. But that was ha- already happening in the 70s, you know? So I was already into that. And along with that, um, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, kind of educational TV, like, you know, when you're like three, you're learning how to count like one, two, three, you know, or A, B, C, D, whatever. And those uh, shows used a lot of 50s music. They use like doo-wop type stuff. Right. So I really, so I really like that music. Then I still love uh, that music. Dude. Yeah. I'm I mean, still, I still, yeah. So I still, yeah. So that was some my, of my favorite. And then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was just kind of just a casual listener, you know, radio, just, you know, anime songs, whatever. Then I really got into the, um, you know, early teens. I really got into uh, the British uh, New Romantics, kind of Japan, Duran Duran, Kajagugu, and all that. And um, so about 83, when I was like 12, we, uh, our family uh, uh, made a trip to uh, Boston, where right. my father was from. So, I went oh, so to you're, you're, your dad's American, is it? Yeah, so my dad's American, yeah. And my mom's Japanese. So then... Um, we go to Boston, and then I had a cousin that's uh, uh, probably like a year older than me, and he was like, he was like, oh man, you can't listen to Duran Duran and Kajagugu, and he was like, you gotta listen to The Doors, you gotta listen to like you know, uh, early David Bowie and stuff like that, and I was cool. But what was happening then was like Quiet Riot and like Motley Crue, and that early heavy metal, hair metal was starting to happen. So I really dug that. And I went back, you know, I was only there for like three weeks, went back and just like, just got into, you know, more music from there, you know, and then just kind of dug deep, got into Motley Crue. You know, my list, my friend was like, oh, listen to Motley Crue. And I didn't know what Motley Crue meant, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, is that a guy or what? You know? <laughs> well, so is Japan, like culturally speaking, is it strict? Or is your were your memories of growing up there? Was it strict in terms of like what you were allowed exposure to? Like was was the satanic panic thing that was happening in the eighties no. in America? Was that going on in Japan at all? No, uh, Japan's a little more free about that kind of stuff. You know, it's like I don't know how to explain it. Like you know, Japan, you know, like like you know, the drinking age is twenty, but you could go into clubs when you're young, you know, like I used to go, uh, so they call it live houses. So you right. go see bands and you don't have to be 21 to go see it, you know? And, you know, it's, it was, it's a little different. I mean, I don't know. There's some stuff that's strict over there. That's not strict in the States and vice versa, you know? Yeah. It's kind of weird. You know, what about your, and, you know, uh, my parents were like, you know, I was living free, you know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know cause what, like even like a lot of like, you know, comic books and stuff like that, you know, it's pretty, you know, Asian stuff's pretty graphic, you know, mm-hmm. and that that wasn't really, you know, that didn't really seem like a problem in Japan. You know, you could just 
go buy a comic book. There'll be, you know, graphic stuff. And that's that, you know. Yeah. But in the um, States, it's in the States, it's like, you know, you can't buy this, you know, comic book because it's graphic and it's 18 and over. There's like the R rated and the, you know, 13 and over type stuff. There, there wasn't that much rating type stuff in Japan back then. So, so how old were you when you moved to the States? So like uh, 16, 17. I was uh, probably almost 17 because like I couldn't like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you could go to the States and get your driver's license. And I was like, and I came over here and they're like, oh, you got to take driver's ed. So you just can't get it. You know, so I had to go through everything and I got it when I was 17. So, so yeah, around then 16, 17 years old. And where did you move? West Coast, California? San Diego, SoCal, SoCal. But I was pretty, not traumatized, but I was like, you know, I grew up, you know, in Japan, big city. I lived in the countryside a little bit. And, you know, I had all my friends from, you know, kindergarten all the way to that point, you know, and I knew everyone and just coming to San Diego where I didn't know anyone, you know, but I was also looking forward to it because I was like, you know what, you know, California music, you know, it was like San Diego, rats from San Diego, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How were the so kids? How were the kids there? Well, like, so, were they accepting? So I, yeah. So I, I, uh, I went to an American school in Japan, like an international school in Japan. Right. So I, I was already fluent in English. So I came over and I was already like, dude, and I had long hair and, you know, I had the band t-shirts and everything like that. So it was, you know, it was smooth, you know, no problems. I made friends pretty easy, you know, just, just having music. It was like easy to make friends and it was easy to, you know, just like, Oh, you play guitar, you know, and then just kind of found friends from there, you know? Well, this is what I want to ask you, dude, is I know from spending time with you that you're not somebody who, you know, is into like drugs and, and hard stuff. You like a beer but you're not a drug yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, you know, so Japan but, is really strict with drugs. Right. Well, because so that, all the music that you love from an early age and still love now, a lot of those guys are very associated with, you know, dr- junkie yeah, yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that's not you at all. So what was the fascination with Hanoi Rocks? And joy? Was it purely just the rock and roll? like, Or did a, that side of it appeal to you, but it just wasn't necessarily what you were going to live yourself? No, it was just, I don't know. It, well, like I said, drugs were, you know, really strict in Japan. Like, you know, you just can't, like, you know, in the States, you could go to the mall and buy weed. Well, now it's legal, so you could go buy weed at the store, you know. But, you know, Japan's super strict about that kind of stuff. And um, so that was never a thing to me, you know. And then I, I think I was really into how bands look. Like, I'm still kind of like, this is kind of shallow, but I'm... I was like totally into bands that, you know, look cool, you know, glam rock or like, even you know, even punk rock, you know, like I love, you know, I love Sid Vicious, but, you know, he can't play bass, you know, but that, I think the looks really appealed to me. And um, like I said, that uh, I was really into that 50s doo-wop type stuff when I was a kid. So I was kind of more attracted to a lot of rock and roll bands. So like I listen to hair bands. But there's always like a hair band that's a little more rock and roll, you know, mm-hmm. or you listen to, you know, punk rock. And there's always that punk band that's a little more rock and roll, you know, and I kind of like went towards the rock and roll way all the time, you know. 
that makes sense and also like there's like a street element as well isn't there to the look which is kind of like yeah 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 gritty bikery yeah 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 it's dirty not, it's, but sharp yeah yeah exactly you know and then you, in in japan like you know fashion is huge so like you go to a show and there's guys just decked out you know you go to a rockabilly show guys have huge pompadours you know the uh, edward jacket and mm-hmm. you know the black slim you know jeans and creepers you go to a punk show you got a guy with a mohawk bleached mohawk you go to you know you go to a heavy metal show you you know you got guys that look like nikki six you know so it was like the fashion and looks was a big part for me yeah they're all in i've never been to japan still i'd love to go those are two big cities tokyo and uh tokyo and new york yeah well i might be going to japan with keith with keith buckley um oh, we're, nice. look, we're actually looking at doing some live q a shows in australia new zealand and southeast asia hopefully in the uh the not too distant future so you'll have to give me some tips if yeah, i do get I, to go to tokyo I got, I got a list called ken's what up list whenever, <laughs> whenever people hit me up i just I'll, I'll be like i'll just send you my email with all the cool stuff on it but you know you can find shit on google now but you know i have my like little list where like little cool record stores or little bars that, you know, it's not as popular, you know? Well, yeah, you've got to get the insider knowledge. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. hit you up for sure. So have you always lived in the States then since moving there as a kid? Have you so, always uh, lived no, in the States? No, so, so I've, you know, I've, uh, I, well, I go back every year or whatever, but then I, I did go back and move for a couple of years after uh, the Dragons broke up, you know? But it's always like the grass is green on the other side, you know, I like, you know, sunny SoCal, LA, San Diego, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in Tokyo and then when I, you know, when I'm in Southern California, I miss like the big city, the, you know, Tokyo, the, the train system and like, you know, everything being open 24 hours, stuff like that. You know, I love your I would- accent, man. I like, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I don't think I've heard you talking for this long like just listening to the sound of it that, that sounds weird apologies because <laughs> like i've got you in my ears and your voice is like i don't know it's a really cool radio voice is is it's, it kind of is it, it gets ca- deeper is it... it's deeper when it's english and it gets higher when it's japanese right so is it half and half though is it kind of californian with with yeah, a japanese it's, it's like, twang yeah probably yeah it's probably because you know i couldn't speak I went to ESL classes till I was like sixth grade. So that's like 12 years old, you know? So I couldn't speak perfect English till I was, you know, 12. But then, you know, just being over here and speaking English all the time. I mean, I speak Japanese all the time, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of gone half-assed both ways, you know? <laughs> Are you t- you're obviously totally fluent in Japanese, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I even do some like, um, like I used to do like translating stuff, interpreter. I still do it now every once in a while, like if people ask, you know. Oh, dude, I'm so. surprised you don't have a whole side career in that. <laughs> well, you know, it's what it's one of those things where you got to do it all the time and you kind of got to hustle a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, someone will be like, oh, yeah, you know, can you translate this like 20 page thing for me? And then I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm on I can't do it on in a van or a tour bus or backstage, you know. Well, I like that when you do like your you do Instagram pay. posts, you write in Japanese as well as in English. I always like Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love reading that. Um, so, dude, you get going almost immediately with the Dragons there, and you've got some amazing support slots. 
was there any cool stories from hanging out with these legends as a young kid? Like, did you have any moments with them where you got to tell uh, them how much you loved them or like kick it with yeah, them, have well, a beer or. So 89 to 90 was M80. So that was like opening up for gun club and all that. And yeah, you know, for, so Johnny Thunders, the, one of the deals to open up for Johnny Thunders was like, they're like, all right, uh, we got to use your uh, drums and bass amp. And we're like, all right, cool. So, you know, we get there early, set the stuff up, and I'm just standing in the middle of the floor. And then this, like, short guy comes, stands kind of close, you know, next to me. And then I look over, and I was like, oh, shit, that's Johnny Thunders. He had, like, his leather jacket on, holding his guitar, that, you know, profile. And then, you know, I uh, I think when we're doing a sound check, or they did a sound check, and, um, like, I, like, crossed paths with him, and I shook his hand, you know. I didn't really, you know, I couldn't really have a conversation with him. I was like, I was 18, you know, I just kind of shook his hand, whatever. And then, yeah, after the show, after they played, well, I was 18, so I couldn't be in the uh, bar. So our singer, Mario, was like, hey, just go stand in the, because I could either be on stage or backstage. So mm -hmm. he was like, just go, you know, go sit in the corner, you know. So I like kind of went in the corner, watched the whole show. At the end of the show, he threw down his guitar and he left. So I went up on stage and touched his guitar, you know. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I, I, we did get to hang out and party with the uh, backing band that night for a little bit, you know. So that was pretty cool. Well, both him and Jeffrey Pierce are kind of notorious junkies, weren't they? Like, was it, was it evident that they were still living Actually, that life when you saw no, and played with them? No, they were, uh, you know, Johnny was smoking weed, but, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the messy side of him you know his show went cool you know played his hits had his like little acoustic set in the middle you know and gun club was actually really cool i really liked that you know uh i actually couldn't go in so i had to stand at the door and watch it but that was really cool and jeffrey was awesome he was cool and then you know uh this was in 89 and i uh met rami mori uh his then girlfriend bass player and i'm still friends with her till now Love she lives that. in london so whenever we go to London, I see her. Right on. You know, yeah. She's she's awesome. She's cool. Yeah, he seemed like he was an amazing guy. There's a couple of books I've read recently, Keith Morris's book and Lanigan's book. And there's stories yeah, in both of yeah. those books about times with Jeffrey. And he seemed like a genius, like a full-on eccentric, yeah, crazy genius. Yeah, Lanigan's book mentions a lot about gun club. Yeah. The Bronx did a, a, a gun club cover. We did a She's Like Heroin to Me on a, a British B-side. So you can find that. What's the movie you yeah. guys are in? Oh, that's the Germs movie, right? What We Do it is a Secret, uh, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's only like five seconds long. As then, Black Flag. This was before I joined. Oh, it was before Bronx. you joined the band, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how yeah, did the yeah. Bronx like become aware before. of you? So it's just... Um, so just go, you know, after, so in 91, we started the Dragons and, you know, we were, you know, the Dragons, we did, you know, touring albums, whatever. We did the whole thing. And then about, uh, so the cool thing, another cool story. So November of 2002, well, about six months before that, I, uh, I met uh, uh, Jorma because Dragons played with a, uh, 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 Dwayne Peters band. I can't remember which band, but uh, we played at House of Blues and his old band was playing. So uh, Death on yep. Wednesday. Right. So 
George Jorma's old band. So we shared a backstage room and we were just kind of like, you know, hanging out. I didn't really meet him, just kind of, you know, hey, what's up, you know? And then like six months later, November of 2002, they, I saw Jorma. He had his drums at the club at the Troubadour. So I was like, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, this is my uh, new band. You know, this is our like first real show because they had played like a small club, played like a couple songs a few weeks before. So then I was like, oh, cool. You know, I'm going to check you guys out. So they were second on the bill. And this was this was another Dwayne Peters show, but it was like an opening band, Bronx, Dragons, and Dwayne Peters. And then uh, when the Dragons was about to go on, the room got pretty full. And I was like, oh, man. And then someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of uh, labels are checking these guys out. And I was like, oh, cool, man. So then they go on and they just, you know, blew me away. You know, Matt was awesome. You know, he was the same and way. This crazy. is their first proper show. Yeah, this is their, yeah. yeah, first proper show. And then, you know, Joby was awesome. You know, Joby had like a, you know, played his guitar low like I, you know, we both do. And he had like the amp that I, you know, we both use you know the same same amp i had so i was like oh man these guys are so rad you know and then the songs were awesome you know so that night we just you know kind of i was like oh can i have your t-shirt and all that you know and then we just kind of kept in touch and i'd go see uh i'd go see um bronx whenever they played you know san diego or la because they're playing a lot of shows then they're the buzz was on you know they're opening up for social distortion rocket from the crib you know, uh, super suckers, uh, times, and then around 2004, after their first album came out, uh, Joey was like, Oh, we're looking to kind of expand our sound, so uh, do you want to come and jam with us? And I was like, Hell yes! So go up to LA, jam with them. But this was like kind of still in their early days, you know, so I was like, You know what. Uh, they were like, um, you know, we're going to kind of think about it, you know. And then Joby was like, but when we do do it, you're the first guy I got to call. So then the Dragons break up 2000, like a few months after that in 2004. So I go to Japan and I was living there for two years. And uh, I was kind of like wondering what I was, was going to do next. You know, it's like I've been in Japan for two years. I'm like, you know, it's like visa stuff. So I was like, oh, man, you know, it's coming up on two years. And then bing, uh, email from Joby. And he's like, hey, man, our second album's coming out. You know, we, we want you in the band, you know. If you're still up for it, you know, we'd like you to join. So I was like, awesome. So I packed my stuff. Two months later, I was in L.A. practicing with them for like two weeks and uh, went on a went on a endless tour i've been on you know in the band on tour ever since yeah six yeah so you'd already done you know several albums and 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 toured for a good decade yeah in the dragons before the bronx and like yeah. how big and and well known and like you know notorious i guess did the dragons become um, I, che I checked out a few of the records in the lead up to talking to you i'd only heard like a track here or there before and um those first few like painkiller cheers to me rlf what does rlf stand yeah. for rock like fuck rock like <laughs> amazing <laughs> that that was my favorite of the records that i heard that one was like badass um but yeah how how much did the dragons do and obviously you put out loads um, of records but like 
did they gain much traction or get no not i mean we did like we did like regional tours we never toured how the bronx tour you know we we all had jobs and we toured you know uh we did a lot of weekend warrior stuff we you know we drive up to san francisco oregon and seattle come back or we go to like uh we go east like arizona new mexico texas our uh, we used to do south by southwest a lot so we go out to south by southwest to austin and kind of do a tour around that for like three weeks you know and then we were uh we were our late you know records were kind of on smaller labels you know mm-hmm. that you know didn't have big distribution or like just you know didn't just didn't have the push you know but you were doing it for the love clearly because you put oh, out yeah, a lot yeah. We, yeah we were uh we were going for it you know we wanted the tour we wanted the play you know in front of as much as people we could and we took every opportunity to play you know so at first you know when we first got together we you know we did pretty good and there was a little bit of a lull and then we changed drummers and then we were like let's play every show that we're offered (laughs) and then we just did that you know we we all we played we practiced like three times a week we played two times a week you know we did everything you know so it was cool you know and made a lot of friends, opened up for a lot of bands, you know. That's did how I t- met, like... Did you tour with them for the entire 90s, basically? All of yeah, them? yeah, yeah. So 91 through 2004, you know, we were played and toured and recorded. Did the thing, you know. Who did you play with that I'd know in that time? Oh, God. Oh, man. We played with like uh, I can't even remember. We played with so many people. Like uh, we did like you know MC Five, uh, Helicopters, uh, uh, Backyard Babies, uh, Wild Hearts. We toured with the Wild Hearts, you know, in like two thousand three. Um, Riverboat Gamblers, you know, all the good toured. shit, man. Yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. All, all, all the like you know nineties and two thousands. Garage rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. We we had a connection. I don't even remember some, you know, some they'll be like, oh, but so what was your favorite show? And I'll be like, I don't know. I can't, you know, I it just doesn't come to me that quick, you know. But yeah, we played so many shows. You know, we played the Casbah, which is like Casbah is kind of like the you know club in San Diego. So we always play there, you know. And who were you telling me um, the guy and the, the singer in the band had loads of like family? Yeah, connections. Mario is, you know, related to uh, his two oldest brothers, Pete and Coco Escovedo, who played with like Santana in the 60s. And um, uh, Pete's daughter is uh, Sheila Escovedo, who is Sheila E, who played with Prince. And his, and then there's like a couple, uh, sisters in between that and then his uh, uh, other brother is uh, Alejandro Escobedo who played in the nuns you know and he had a band called True Believers and he you know solo legend dude now you know and then I bet uh, their family get together is a fucking good fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I've gone to like two reunions and they're pretty fun you know stories and, for days. yeah yeah and then, uh, and then the young, uh, the brother above him is uh, Javier Escobedo, who started the Zeros in the '70s, which is like you know the they were they, they were called the Mexican Ramones. You know they had they dressed like you know in suits with like pointy shoes and played fast punk. You know, and they they played with like Germs, the Damned. You know, that first wave of LA punk. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were there. Go Go's. You know, 
And then, oh, you know, uh, we play, you know, one, one band Dragons played with a lot was X. We played wow. a lot with that. Yeah. So I got, you know, I've seen him a lot, you know, Guitar Wolf, you know, we all, and we never got to go to UK. I thought we'd do good in UK, but we never went there. We went to Japan once, but that was it. Yeah. You would have cleaned up in the UK in that time. No doubt. Yeah. 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 What about Europe? Didn't get over to like Scandinavia or Europe either? Nope. Just the States and Japan. So one thing that I've always loved about the Bronx is like, and some people might disagree with me, but for me, the Bronx get better with every album. And you're probably the only punk band to do that. Uh, I feel like almost every other punk band kind of peaks with the first couple and then just like, you know, progressively gets worse. (laughs) But the, the the Bronx for me, like, I just love like each album that comes out. I love it more than the last every single time. And there's, there's really something to be said for that because you guys are so creative and are always like pushing it forward and trying new things and taking it to the next sonical step. And like, even with the mariachi stuff as well, it's like, who else is doing that? And who else is continuing to like creatively push themselves? Where does that come from? Is that all of you? together feeding off that is there one person that like pushes that more than uh, the rest no, it, it's the it's all of us you know and you know matt's definitely like the cheerleader of the band that like you know he's like the super positive guy that you know that encourages everyone joby's a good leader you know he has all his you know crazy ideas that you know we all you know put the you know come together with but yeah we i mean I think we just we get along so well, you know, as a band, you know, as a band too, but we're all we get along outside of the band too, you know. So I think that's one thing. You know, we're always, you know, even if it's something stupid, we're always texting each other or whatever. You know, I think there's a friendship there, the hardworking side, kind of the tenacity, you know, you know, let's do something better, you know. And we're always talking about just random ideas let's do this let's do that you know even if it's something that's not going to happen but it's like oh that'd be cool you know yeah that's that's a kind of deadly combination of elements right there and i think that is what sets you apart from a lot of other bands and i've spent a lot of time with you guys on the road and um i've noticed that you know i've noticed that you're all like cheerleaders for each other and you are real you know tight friends outside of of the music that you make just the personal relationships seem really firm and strong um so when you join bronx twos bronx twos out um when does the idea for the mariachi project first get floated and uh how does that turn from an idea into a thing that's this beautiful sideline to what you do with with the rock and roll so when i joined so it was 2006 august when i joined and then joby was telling me he was like yeah you know, a week before, uh, we're asked, we're, uh, uh, we're going to be on Fuse TV. It was one of, like one of those music shows back in the, you know, mid 2000s. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, and then uh, when I got here, he told me, he's like, yeah, we did, we did this Fuse TV and we did one of our songs, which was Dirty Leaves, which is on Bronx 2. And the TV show wanted them to do an acoustic version of it. But the guys were like, oh, you know, our song, our punk song isn't going to sound good acoustic. It's just going to be punk rock play on acoustic guitar. So Joby had the idea to do it kind of, he's like in a mariachi style, 
which back then he said he didn't really know. Like they asked uh, Xander from Circle Jerks to play the big bass guitarone and um, uh, Keith, who, you know, Keith Douglas, who's playing with us now, mm-hmm. Joby had asked him to play a little uh, trumpet at that show. And the rest of the guys kind of played little acoustic guitars. And then uh, it was so cool that Joby was like, you know what, Let, uh, I want to make a mariachi uh, like a bonus EP type thing, just for fun, a couple songs or whatever, right? So that was just a talk. That was, you know, one of Joby's ideas. So then we toured, you know, for Bronx Six, and then we had some time off. And then Joby uh, and Matt had demoed like uh, uh, three songs, which is on the first album. I remember it was like My Brother the Gun, My Love, and one other song. And they sounded so cool, you know, you know, cause people are like, Oh, what's Mario. What's Mar- What are you guys going to do at mariachi style? You know? And then uh, I heard the demo where it was just uh, Joby playing guitar and Matt singing. And I was like, Oh man, this is going to be awesome. You know? And then I, and then while we're in like Australia, uh, I was sharing a room with Joby and then he, he uh, wrote another song and that came out to be uh, sleepwalking. And I was like, ooh, that's going to be cool, too, you know? And then so just little by little, the whole, you know, these songs were coming together. And then a year later, summer of 2007, our old bass player uh, quit. He left the band. So then um, we were asking around um, for bass players. And someone was like, oh, yeah, there's this guy, Brad Majors. Uh, He plays in Christensen, plays bass and trumpet. So uh, he was still living in Louisville. We were like, hey, you know, come out and, you know, bring your trumpet. And then he was like, what? I haven't played my trumpet for like 10 years or whatever. But so he comes with his bass and his trumpet. And then um, we jam bass. He rips it, you know, up playing bass. And then so we're like, oh, you know, we got these mariachi songs. So we go in the back room and play his trumpet. And I was like, oh, this is going to be more cool, you know. So then once that happened, we like kind of started getting the whole mariachi idea together. And then we asked uh, Vince, Joby was like, oh yeah, Vince could play the big bass guitar own. So he came in and he, you know, he played that. And then he kind of taught us like kind of the Mexican mariachi way to play, you know? Yeah. So, so then that, that just kind of snowballed from there. From, so from there, it was about a year, not even a yeah, almost a year of like songwriting or whatever. Just, you know, we weren't, we didn't do it all at once. It was just like something that we did little by little because we were doing Mariachi 3 also, or uh, Bronx 3 at the same time. So then we recorded it and that was Bronx 1. That was like 2000. We recorded in 2008 and came out in 2009. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and like with that, it could have slipped into Three Amigos, novelty, funny yeah, yeah, yeah. territory. Yeah, we, we never wanted it to be like that. We didn't, we didn't do you know sombreros or whatever we were like you know we like we like the music and we respect the culture you know it's it's not a diss you know yeah and, well no that's why it's I, so so great is it's so soulful and so authentic and such a loving tribute to that music and that culture as you say that it, that really shines and comes across and what's so wild is like there's no difference for me between the two projects. Like obviously sound wise there is, but like yeah, when yeah, I yeah. when I watch the two, it comes from the same place. And you all blend and gel and, and bounce off each other in exactly the same way. It just kind of comes across in a different way. And I've always admired the fuck out of all of you for the way you can just like be that one volatile <laughs> rock and roll band one minute. And then the next thing it's like the most soulful, beautiful, like one of my all time favorite memories is being on the cruise and like the sun was going down, the wind was blowing in from the sea, like coming up on the deck and you guys are all there, like in the charo suits playing that music. Like it makes me want to cry now. Just thinking about it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, it is, you know, it's the spirit, you know, it's, it's awesome. You know, you know, it's, and then, you know, I, it's a different thing than the Bronx where it's like with the Bronx, it's like full contact, you know, you mm -hmm. get, I get excited when people are like, jumping around you know going crazy but then mariachi it's so awesome because you see everyone singing along and you know it's just everyone smiling you know that's that's pretty cool you know yeah do you i mean i've asked the other guys this but i'm always interested to hear different people's takes but when you're going in to the studio for for mariachi al bronx is there a different mindset for you uh, i don't think so i mean no it's just, just making music yeah. that you love with yeah, your yeah, friends. Yeah. It's the same. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Unbelievable talent. Unbelievable talent. It, it's cool. It's cool. To, you know. And what's another funny thing is when when we the dragons used to every single de Mayo we used to wear charo suits and play Texas tornado songs. <laughs> Amazing. So, so you know, I had a little bit of a precursor to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, but this mariachi stuff is, you know, it's great. It's like violins, harp, you know, it's just all the instruments, you know, it's, it's crazy. I love and it's it. obviously taken you into, you know, all kinds of amazing worlds that the Bronx would have never done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we got to do, yeah, we got to do Glastonbury, you know, you know, we're, uh, we did Glastonbury, we did one of the uh, stages, and then we went to do the Strummerville, the Joe Strummer campfire thing. 
So uh, I was standing, it, this was like three in the morning and we didn't play till like four in the morning. So we we're there from like two, three. And I was like standing at the bar and then um, this like guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, mariachi guys, you guys are awesome. When are you guys going to play? I was like, oh, we're going to play in about, uh, you know, an hour or so, right? And then I looked at our sound guy and I was like, that's Don Letts, you know? So Don Letts was there waiting for us. And he, I saw him watching from, he was sitting on top of an RV and, you know, it was kind of cool, you know, Don Letts coming up to tell you, you know, he likes your band, you know? The OG. I actually the think OG. he made, I think he made the best punk documentary ever as well um because he's the only guy who takes it from the pistols and the clash all the way up to basically like the 2000s and and he he covers all of it and explores all of it in such a full and in-depth way i think it's just called punk is one yeah yeah yeah. it's i think it's the best one ever made um who's been some of your favorite people you've played with with the bronx because you guys have toured from the beginning well i mean yeah, I mean, we, you know, we always become friends with all the bands, you know, like start, we started out a Mastodon, you know, we even toured with Foo Fighters, you know, Foo Fighters, The Killers, huge bands to, you know, Every Time I Die, you know, all those guys. It's, you know, I've met so many, you know, bands that I loved, you know. So, and every every band loves you guys as well. Like I definitely uh, think the Bronx is one of those bands that all bands love watching them and just love them. Like you're a proper, you're not just a band's band, but you're definitely like a band's band, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's endless. Uh, you know, Wayne Kramer. You know, just like he's like, oh, you guys are awesome. You know, and you know, just being able to uh, play with Joey C. You know, Joey Castillo. That was like a you know. How does he come? How does he come in? Um, I'm going to uh, ask you this as well. Why did Jorma leave? Oh, uh, he wanted to do his thing. He did. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. But uh, Joey came in. Well, we kind of well, we knew him because uh, just like just being around, and then like we did an Australian tour, and um, uh, uh, I think Queens was playing. And, you know, he was drumming for him and, you know, we just crossed paths and then he quit Queens and then uh, uh, he was playing with, like trash talk and stuff. So we uh, we've always like, hey, you know, if you want, you know, if you can. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He was like into it. It took like a year for him to free up his schedule. But yeah, he came in and just, you know. He's the it. fucking king. Yeah, he's a, he's such a cool dude too. You know, he's like an inspiring guy. You know, he's the greatest. He's yeah. one of my favorite people ever, ever, yeah. ever. I I met him for the first time on that cruise. We did a podcast in my room. I was like wasted, so I don't remember it as clearly as I'd like. But I remember um, the the pod, I listened to that. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was really pissed, man. Um, and then soon after that, I went on tour with him and Zach Sabbath. Oh and, yeah, yeah, um, that's the last tour yeah pre-covid mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that was when me and him really connected and bonded and he's just a beaut as you say like he's an incredible talent behind the drums but as a human being he's just so beautiful and soulful yeah yeah he's awesome i love playing with him you've got an amazing band so i've had on joey's been on the show matt's been on the show joby's been on the show now you i've just got to get brad yeah, and, yeah. And I'll have done the whole band, and the Bronx will be the first full band ever to feature 
uh, on I the love, show. I love completists. So I, I've, always, <laughs> I've always tried to try to collect all the albums and the comic books. <laughs> I, I am nothing if not a completionist, Ken. So yeah, I've got to get on the line to Brad. So I want to ask you this: with this latest record that you've done, yeah. whose idea was it? to go at it in the way that you did because once again like just such a creative cool outside of the box approach because let's be honest right in in now in this age that we live in now albums are almost pointless um they're almost like just an advert for the tour like it used to be the tour would be the advert for the album but now it's the other way around and it seems like bands literally just put out albums to give them an excuse to rebrand the tour in a new way and go out and have a couple of new songs to play. But you guys have decided, right, we're just going to put out a single a month. We're going to do like bespoke artwork for each one. And then like a physical product as well. And not only all that, but work with like some fucking absolute legends. Yeah. It just, uh, so we wrote and recorded this album in 2019. Pre-COVID all of it in the calendar. So yeah. So uh, produced by Joe Barisi, which is another legendary dude that I was really happy to work with. It was awesome working with him. So by the time I saw you, we saw you on that cruise, the album was done. It was already like, at that point, it was probably even like mixed and mastered, you know? So then, um, so then 2019, we're like, all right, 2020, we're going to release this album. And at first we were going to release it in March, but this had nothing to do with COVID. It just got pushed to September. It was like, you know, label stuff. So they're like, oh yeah, 2020, September. And we're like, oh, you know, it's kind of far away, but that's cool, you know? So we did that. And then COVID started, you know, and um, we're like, oh shoot, that was a blessing in disguise. The album was pushed to September because, you know, when, you know, when COVID started, we didn't know how long it was going to go. You know, we're like, oh man, you know, two months, maybe the summer, right? So then we we're like, oh, you know, blessing in disguise. It was it's, it was cool that it got pushed back to September. But as months went on, we were like, oh man, you know, what are we gonna, you know, how should we release it? But we didn't want to, you know, release it and have a like a, you know, Facebook release party and you know whatever, you know, that's it was gonna be forgotten. And there were so many albums that were released during that COVID time around March 2020. And like June 2020, where it just kind of got, you know, yeah. Just no sunk, really, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, dude, I had that problem with my book. <laughs> like, I put yeah, out a book in like, that time, and it, no it, it, even, it fucked me. No one even really knew. So then, so then, so in 2020, we did, uh, we did a B-Sides album with Mariachi Band. Because we, we had already started that series with Bronx. We, did, mm-hmm. we released a double best of vinyl of B-Sides and covers. So What's like, it called? Do- Death something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I forget. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Check it on Spotify though, aren't they? People- Death tracks. People- Death there tracks. you go. Death people-, tracks. people can hear them on streaming sites, etc. Yes. So in May of uh, 2020, we released the mariachi version of the B-Sides double album because we couldn't play our Cinco de Mayo show. And, and then we in Halloween, we did a streaming. Very, very quickly, that was another thing that you guys did, which was just a a step and a cut above the rest. Like a few people that I watched the streaming site kind of like, well, versions of live shows in that format, I was very underwhelmed by what they did. I thought the Dropkick Murphys absolutely killed it by doing it in Fenway. Like you can't really top that. 
But the way you guys did your Halloween show and filmed it more like a music video was so, or even like a fucking a movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looked so cool. And again, it's just like that create everything you guys do, you fucking put in 110%. I, I love yes. that about you. So we just, um, uh, we, like you said, we didn't want to do, like, there were a lot of offers and opportunities to do a uh, stream, but we were like, oh, we don't want to do it in an empty room we don't want to do it on an empty stage you know we we want to be a little different about it and then joby always had this idea of kind of playing together you know both bands so we're like oh you know this might be a cool time to do it you know and you know we you know all our friends helped us out you know video lights recording and that came together and that was that was another fun you know it was so fun we we since it was covid you know, there was no vaccines or whatever then. So we, it was like just three intense days of like, you know, just doing it all at once, you know, but it came out awesome. Right. Well, it's, and it's nice to have some, I remember speaking about it, like it was another lifetime ago already, but in that first round of peak pandemic kind of like frenzy, it just felt good to have cool stuff to work on, didn't it? And concentrate on to give you some form of hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was, you know, that was fun. And so then <clears throat> I think around that time, maybe a little earlier, we were like, oh, you know, how should we release Bronx Six? And then, uh, you know, it was like we we're talking on text and then someone was like, oh, maybe there's a way to just do it, uh, you know. Oh, hold on, Ken. I've lost your sound. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back in the room. Okay. Uh, so from, from Bronx Six. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Bronx Six, we were like, how should we, you know, release it? You know, this like end of 2020. And someone was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let's, uh, is there a way to do one song, release a song at a time? And then someone else was like, ooh, how about a, you know, seven inch and a download? And someone else was like, oh, yeah, how about a monthly seven inch, like the old sub pop days, you know? And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then we're like, all right, monthly seven inches, box set, you know, a song and a download, you know, every month. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then from there, just like kind of like, you know, getting you know collab artists and then it was like you know the music was done so we couldn't really do a music collaboration so we're like you know art stuff and then you know joby and is in that art world and you know matt's you know matt has a lot of that connection so you know we just kind of found all these guys to do it with you know and that came out to be pretty cool too we were first we were going to do 12 songs all the way through and then release the album but then somewhere in there we're like let's just do it the halfway point yeah which worked out good because we were on tour with rancid and you know more time to, you know more exposure for the album you know at that time so yeah we did it and then you know i love seven inches so i was like that's 12 more seven inches in my <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think me and you have been record shopping together on oh tour. god yeah i think birmingham was when we birmingham, went and had a little yeah explore uh, who's yeah, the um who's the guy from the fucking um the bone squad era skate legend Craig. Uh, Craig Stasek. Yeah. Did that you guys know him already? So he, uh, Joby befriended him through the Pounded by Surf stuff. I think he, 
he did something with Pounded by Surf. So he's been around. So we, we, we've all met him a couple of times and, you know, uh, you know, just that Pounded by Surf shows or like, you know, he came to see Mariachi or Bronx, whatever. But um, yeah, we, so we've known him a little bit. So, you know, it was cool working with him too, you know. It's just and, all these like legendary guys, you know. And the dude, I can't do yeah. the sign, but the Esteban, oh, the LA legend. Esteban Oreo. That was fun, you know. So that around June of 2020, we did all the videos and like a lot of like photo sessions with Esteban and like Craig and stuff like that. And that was when like before it was like before Delta and it was starting to happen. We're like, oh pre-Delta. It was kind of, it was a <laughs> Yeah, it was like a it was a fun month of like we shot videos. We went out to the desert. We you know shot photos with uh, Esteban. Uh, we did a video with Tim. You know at Tim Armstrong's studio. So that was like a super fun month for me. You know we got to hang out, do all this stuff. But yeah, so yeah, the this you know I'm super happy about the album and the how we released it. You know we still got two left. I don't know why more bands don't do it. And I mean, I think it's an approach which works so well in this day and age because it like it puts the emphasis back on the physical product and it gives you something more than just the music. And, and, and like, you know, it just sort of reinvigorates the whole approach to releasing music rather than just here's a couple of singles in the lead up yeah, yeah, and yeah. then bang, here's the album. It's, it was cool because like, you know, people listen you know it was like a video or the song or the collab or whatever and everyone listened to the song you know because it's only one song there's no b-side it's just one song so um everyone listened to it and everyone commented and you know most most were good there were some you know not bad ones but you know but i was like you know what this guy took the time to listen to the song once or twice and came to our thing and comment so I was like, that's already good, right? He didn't skip a song, right? He, you know, he, he actually listened to the song. So I think it's a cool thing. I think as well with a band like the Bronx, there are some fans out there who, if Matt is singing, there's a certain contingency. It's yeah. like, <laughs> they've gone soft. I hate this shit. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's like, actually for me, some of the songs where Matt sings are like my favorite ones. Like on Bronx 5, there was a couple of tunes, Two Birds, One Stone like some of those tunes where like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. they rock just as like hard as any yeah. of the more screamy stuff but then he's got his kind of like soulful sweet singing voice on top of it i think bronx yeah. five is my favorite record you guys have done nice that was a, that was a fun album to do too the, the last bronx five and bronx six was really fun working with the you know both cool producers you know it, it was so the writing process was fun the recording process was fun you know, and, you know, I'm grateful to, you know, feel like that when I'm, I'm 51 years old, you know, so, you know, still being able to tour and release cool albums with people I get along with is so awesome, you know. And so rare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, one time someone, some, uh, someone asked me to make a playlist and um, this is like when we released Bronx four or five and I decided to do a playlist of songs from uh, band's fourth or fifth album, whatever I decided to do. And I went through my songs and I was like, oh my God, there's so many bands that didn't make it to their fourth album that I like, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, too true, man. <laughs> too, too true. So my yeah. favorite tour of, of last year was the fucking tour that you got to do with Rancid and Dropkicks. Uh, um, I would have killed. I would have killed to have gone out there. <laughs> How were those shows? Were they weird or were they just awesome? Like, was the COVID no. thing a part of the experience or was it fairly like, this is freedom, this is back, it's energy, it's like, it's a good time? It was different for sure, but it was a good tour to get back into because it, the venues were all outside so right. it was like outside amphitheaters or like like a you know closed off street with a huge stage built in the middle of it you know and it was still august so you know it was the delta period but um <laughs> we we were you know all careful we didn't have any guests any uh, family, no one backstage. It was just the band and the crew and the local guys, you know, local crew. And it was awesome, you know, and, you know, the crowd came, you know, it was usual crowd, people liked us, you know, it was awesome. I mean, is there ever been a crowd that hasn't liked you guys? I can't imagine. I can't. <laughs> Matt, you know, Matt, Matt could get them going by the last, you know, the last couple of songs, you know, he gets them going, even if it's a little slow, you know. Obviously, there's, you know, better cities for us, you know, but it was summertime. So people were coming out early. It was still light out to like 8 p.m. So, we were, you know, it was fun. It was a, it was a great summer tour. We get along great with dropkick guys rancid guys were really cool to us you know it was it was fun yeah that would have been a dream tour for me to have dj'd on in the middle of those bands wah, wah, wah. Oh, man. yeah that, <laughs> you know that you know if it wasn't for covid that that kind of tour could you know happen in the uk or europe or wherever you know it was, it was meant to be happening at slam dunk um they had Rancid oh, yeah, and yeah, drop yeah, kicks yeah. booked and then and then rancid for whatever reason pulled out annoyingly yeah, um, yeah. which is a shame but um let me ask you this what's been the hardest crowd the bronx have ever played to has there been a crowd which was pretty hard to win over i don't i'd probably erase it from my memory or whatever <laughs> but you know we never you we know, always we rule never, <laughs> you never do. really you know had a uh too bad of a show even if it wasn't you know that many people you know, we'd get it going, you know, I, I never, you know, we never really had a shitty show. I know. I, I don't think, you know, no, I, I've know. seen you guys so many times and yeah, you're one of a very select. So there's two different types of bands that can never suck. Right. There's the bands like say ACDC and the stones, which just have yeah, a, back, yeah, yeah. a back catalog, which makes it impossible for them to suck unless like <laughs> yeah. unless unless the singer's just having the worst day of his life or whatever yeah, yeah. those kind of bands like the iconic legacy acts and then there's bands like every time i die in the bronx who just because of the 10 out of 10 performance side to what you do you're just incapable of phoning it in and therefore putting on a bad show it's just like every single time you play it kills yeah, we never fun in, you know, there's there's shows where like one of us is really sick or something like that. But I mean, we of course. You know, we get over it, you know, and then, you know, do it, we did that warp tour and there were some, show, you know, because it's just a different demographic for us, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some shows were a little weird, I guess, but, you know, it wasn't bad, you know. I, so, I never there were never show where I was like, this sucks. You know, I was you know, I've never came off stage saying that, you know. Yeah, and I think yeah. if you get to do what you do, man, there's especially yeah, now yeah, yeah. 
After what yeah, we've yeah. all collectively been through, I think now more than ever, it's like the humility and the gratitude and the, the thanks for being in this position. You know, like me just doing these Hot Wheels shows, there was a touch and go moment with them where they were going to get pulled or put back or whatever. And then, so then getting to do them meant even more than it already would have. Um, and it was unbelievable. And it's just like, yeah, like the live show, I've said this before, but it's the only thing you can't, you can stream it, but it's not the same as being yeah. in, the room, in the room with other people. And it's the only thing that you can't replicate or download. And I just pray that as we come out of this shitty time, hopefully, you know, we get to do what we, we love doing more regularly yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with less obstacles. <laughs> that's the part I, I miss a lot is the traveling and the hang. I miss hanging out and seeing, you know, cause like, if, you know, I go to UK, you know, you you know, I get to hang out with you, you know, there's the friends I get to hang out in UK, Europe, same thing everywhere, you know, and I haven't seen anyone, you know? Yeah. Has, yeah. has this time been hard for you mentally or have you coped all right? Uh, I, I, you know, I did pretty good. You know, I didn't have any mental breakdowns or lucky any, bastard, <laughs> any, binge, <laughs> any binging or anything. Yeah. I just pretty much did extra because uh, usually when i came off of tour i never really i never really went out that much never really party too much or you know i hung out you know but i kind of did a lot of stuff on my own yep so you know coming back you know i just did stuff that extra of what i usually do you know so you know i read you know a lot i but you know one thing i decided to do was i was like you know what i'm gonna do everything music i played more guitar i listened to more music i listened to i was like i didn't watch like uh tiger king or any netflix type stuff i was like i'm gonna watch every music documentary i uh pretty you know, similar then, to me man i've been listening yeah. to like four albums a day since the start of covid going on like 10 kilometer walks every day and just lining up three four albums a day and just smashing through that's cool. Yeah. So I did like, um, I would do like, uh, I'd get into like one band, let's say uh, one day I'd get into Alice in Chains. Mm -hmm. That was a, and then uh, I'd listen to everything Alice in Chains. I just had then, Jerry like, on the show. He was amazing. Yeah, I listened to that. That's why I said it. So then I'd like kind of like play guitar, you know, play Alice in Chains songs, play like riffs like that, and then kind of read everything Alice in Chains, watch everything Alice in Chains, then like listen to, grunge from there go to the seattle scene you know re-listen to nirvana and all that and then you know flip of the switch i start listening to the stones and go down the whole blues thing open g tuning play guitar that way read all the books flick of the switch you know hardcore you know listen mm -hmm. to gba you know i just i just did that through the whole pandemic pretty much being a completionist again, as you say, yeah, yeah. if you delve if you delve into one band, it has to be the full catalog. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, I had all day to do that. You know, so I mean, so there do were you days... think do you think you've improved as a guitarist in this time then because you've oh, been yeah, taken yeah. in? Yeah, I think I think so. Oh um, yeah, yeah. There were days where I just stare at my phone all day too. You know, but you know, I you know, I, you know did like you know there there are days where I didn't do anything. You know, but. Uh, I didn't, you know, go crazy mentally, you know, I did, well, I did pretty good. Another thing, you know, another thing I did that you'd probably dig is I was like, uh, so around earlier this year, I was, you know, I, I always write riffs or like, you know, guitar parts, or whatever, you know, 
record it on the phone, record it on the computer, maybe demo it a little bit. But I was like, you know what? I want to, you know, write songs and I play every instrument on it, sang on it. I did that, I did that for like a few months, which was like pretty cool because like, you know, that takes up your whole day, you know. And I was never into like like recording too much. You know, I was just kind of like playing guitar, just kind of simply recorded. But I went down, you know, wrote songs, you know, recorded it, played every instrument. So that was pretty fun. Well, the and devil I'll, makes work for idle hands, Ken, doesn't he? And, and that's yeah, what it's all about. Yeah, a, lot, time. a lot of friends sent me uh, songs. They're like, hey, can you play guitar on this real quick? And then I did that. So, it was, you know, I kept busy that way, you know. And you grew your hair. Your hair looks dope. Uh, <laughs> it just, you know, I didn't, yeah. Keep growing it. I love it. <laughs> so this is one thing I want to say as we get to the end. What I think is super cool, another great thing about the Bronx is like, and I spoke to Joby about this, is when they got that major label money, um, he just invested it in a studio. And it seems yeah, to me yeah. that like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys seem to have complete, creative freedom and control over what you do every step yeah. of the way um yeah. you know from the packaging to the releasing everything yeah, yeah. and so few bands have that luxury as well um and i think that is a huge part of the you know the formula for your longevity and success as a band is that yeah. you've done it on your own terms yeah totally yeah you know you know joby's an awesome designer you know so you know merch album covers we got that covered you know we you know and yeah we're always doing something you know we still got a couple things coming down the pipe as we speak so oh, yeah yeah like what fun stuff you'll have to see you'll have to see <laughs> and are you are you on your own label or what's your label situation no no moment? we have we're on cooking vinyl right uh, but yeah. they let you do what you want assumedly pretty much yeah I mean, because I mean, our ideas are crazy, but it's not like detrimental know. to the sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they pretty much go. That's actually awesome, you know, because you know we're. Well, like, Joby's smart, isn't he? And he knows the business, and he, I guess, was yeah, in yeah, the business yeah. early on, and was you know paying attention to how yeah, albums yeah, yeah. were it's, released. Yeah, we, it, yeah. Who you know? What band comes up with an idea on their own to? release a song a month and do all the artwork themselves and call, you know, call up all the, you know, collab artists on their, you know, we pretty much did it on our own, you know? So. Well, dude, for me, I'm not going to name any names, but so many bands are just lazy, man. So many bands are just lazy and unimaginative. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's why I love you guys. One of many reasons why I love you guys is you're always doing new things and working hard and like pushing the envelope. And it's just crazy to me. It's not rocket science. It's like, if you love what you do, then think about doing it in different ways to make it interesting for your audience and yourselves. Yeah. And people respond to that by going, this is awesome. Let's get behind yeah. it. And more bands should take a leaf out of the Bronx book for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, you, know, we, you know, we do a lot of crazy shit, but it's fun. It's fun. And, it's, and at the end, it's always rewarding and it's, great you know like just having the you know bronx six just the vinyl and the seven inch you know that's that's awesome you know will you do another mariachi record it's been a while since the last one yeah i mean we're you know we always have that talk you know and we're actually doing two two mariachi shows this week and next week and Love it. will that be yeah. the first time since 
the thing. No, we we did. Uh, we played last month at the Every Time I Die's Christmas shows. Of course. So that was, yeah. So that was fun. You know, we haven't done, you know, we do kind of sporadic shows, but, you know, it's all, you know, we always think about that, you know. Hell yeah. Well, listen, dude. It was amazing catching up. Sorry we couldn't do this in person, but uh, yeah, yeah, this was good. This was just as uh, I hoped it would be, <laughs> and it was nice learning some stuff about your past, which I didn't know before, which was cool. And um, yeah, yeah. are you going to be here this year? Do you think? Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, yeah, probably later in the year. You know, good. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll catch up in person, hopefully, in the, yeah, uh, yeah. the not too distant future. Um, I will. Give my love to all the boys if you're having a little get together anytime soon. Uh, I'm seeing all of them tomorrow. Oh yeah, well yeah, please, <laughs> yeah, please send on it. my love and tell Joby um, yeah. if he's still keen to see Willie Nelson in March. Oh yeah, 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 I it's will. on. Um, yeah, and you're you're cool. you're obviously welcome if you want to. It's in Texas, but um, my birthday's in March, and I saw he's playing Billy Bob's, and I had such a good time in Texas. I was like, I'm I'm coming back. Um, and yeah, I didn't Texas get to see awesome. Joby out there because uh, he obviously lives in Houston now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell him Willie Nelson, I'll hit him up. <laughs> I will, man. All right, dude. All right. All thank right. you for your time. Thank you for your friendship. And thank, um, you. thank you for always being cool and treating me good on the road. And it's been an likewise, amazing ride. Likewise. And I look forward yeah. to many more adventures together, dude. Yep. Hope to see you soon. Cheers, Ken. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 